Hello, everybody, and welcome back to, I believe we're on episode 47 of the Misadventures with the Narcissist podcast. I am so happy that you are here today. And if you haven't yet done so, please make make sure to subscribe and leave a review. And um, yeah, I really, really appreciate all of your support. Before we get on to today's episode, I wanted to say that I got a couple of messages, uh, voice messages since the last episode, and they were a few of you said that you wanted to chat or you wanted to talk to me, but didn't leave a way for me to get in touch with you. So I got your messages. I'm not sure how to get back in touch with you, but if you want to follow me on Instagram and DM me there, that is probably the best way that you can get in touch with me. And I will leave my Instagram link in the show notes below, or you can also search on Instagram for misadventures with the narcissist podcast. So In today's episode, I wanted to talk about the narcissist and my work and my career. Last episode, we talked about the narcissist and his work and his career, and I thought it would be a good idea for me to talk about my work and my career and how the narcissist handled all of that and and kind of what happened throughout my journey. So when I met the narcissist, we're both working at the same place, as I mentioned in some previous episodes, and we were both kind of making the same amount of money and had um, like the same responsibilities and the same friends, I would say, at work. We were kind of both on the same level, if you want to call it that. So there was nothing really, um, nothing really there. But I actually wanted to start my own business. And I had a business prior to meeting him and also alongside of my career or my job that I had when I met him. So I always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I always wanted to make extra money on the side, learn new things. And having kind of like a side hustle was always my thing. And when we first met, he was really, really supportive of that. I didn't see any red flags. There was no issues with like me having this extra thing and making extra money and all of that. There was really nothing that I noticed at least in terms of how he approached it or how he reacted to my career or my side business or anything. Like it was just kind of neutral. Um, And then once we moved from New York City, I was, I believe, five or six months pregnant at the time. And I just could not get a job to the new place that we moved, we moved to. And actually I didn't really even want the job because I was pregnant and I knew I wanted to stay home with our baby and, and all of that. So I ended up launching my own business and it was a product business where I made stuff and sold it online. Now this was back in 2006. So it was the early days of e-commerce and online businesses and entrepreneurship. It is not anywhere near to what it is today. There were no resources for me to learn from. I kind of just had to figure it out as I went along. And when I started my business was also when I was six months pregnant and my ex-husband was going to grad school. So I was the primary breadwinner. This business that I had started was my primary, our primary income for the entire family. And at first he was super, super helpful. And he was um, very excited for me, very supportive. Again, no red flags or anything like that. Now, this was also, I would say in our phase, there were 
if you guys listen to previous podcasts, I feel like there were two phases in our marriage. He's always been a narcissist. Um, there were always things that he did, but he really kicked things up a notch after our third child was born. It's like once she was born, it was game over. It was like he turned a corner and literally became um like an an overt narcissist. I think there there's two there's a covert narcissist uh, overt is that the I'm not even really sure but one of one of the means that like he's very um or there, there's two, may, sorry, um, there's different types of narcissists. Some of them are more obvious to spot. Others are not so obvious. So I would say the first like six, seven years of our marriage, um, he was really hard to spot, which is why I didn't really, I, like there were red flags, but there were not that many. I mean, there were many, but they were not that serious or didn't happen that often to where it really raised like a huge red flag for me. But once my daughter was born, um, this was the huge red flag. So, or, or like the, where he totally changed. So when I started this business was when our first baby was born. And then four years later, our daughter was born. So for the first four years of my business, which was making us a lot of money and was supporting us, he was very helpful. He would package orders for me. And with me, he would take stuff to the post office because I needed them shipped. Shipped. He would come with me to trade shows. He would sell stuff for me. Like he was just so helpful. And I felt like, wow, I am so lucky. Like not only do I have a partner who is like totally on top of helping with the kids and doing a lot of the stuff, but he's also helping me with my business and supporting me. And I remember going on tons of podcasts and being like, I am so lucky. I could never do this business without my husband. He's so helpful. He watches the kids so I can work. He helps me with my work. Like it was literally like a dream situation for me because here I was like thinking, I'm doing this business. It's supporting our family. I can be home with my kids. I'm working with my husband. That's something that I've always wanted um, to kind of have like a family business or to work as a team. And I know that's not for everybody, but that is what I was into um, at the time. And it just literally seemed like a dream. And then after about four years of me having this business, he started to, I started to see that he was really annoyed and really frustrated when my business really took off. Like my product where I ended up um, getting them into about 600 retail stores and I was going to trade shows and like I was literally at the top of my business, my career, so to speak. And it was the most successful I had ever been. And things were going amazing. It felt like one of those moments where it could only go, you know, like the momentum is building. Let's just keep going with this. And then once, um, like once I got pregnant with our third daughter or with our third child, um, he really lost interest in my business. And he started criticizing my business and saying how it's really taking up too much of my time and too much of my attention and that I'm always working and it's too expensive to run and, and all of these things. And now mind you, he was working like 60, 70 hour weeks at his 
internship that was only paying a hundred dollars a month and I was working on my business maybe like two three hours a day if that um so I was not working a lot um I mean there were definitely times where I had to like work a little more but I've never once worked full-time in my business and that is something that I did intentionally I wanted my business to kind of support my lifestyle and to allow me to be flexible and not have to be in front of a computer and work full time. That is just not something that I um, wanted to do at the time. So I set up this business so that I can work part time, be home with the kids, um, take care of the kids, spend time with them. And it was just really working really well. And he, about four years into my business, got so angry and so upset. And we would always fight about my business. And he would say things like, I'm not doing those trade shows anymore. They take up too much time. You're spending too much money on buying inventory. You're always working. Shipping stuff is really annoying and really frustrating. So I was thinking like, how can I adjust my business so that we don't have conflict anymore? You know, so that my business isn't quote unquote, um, ruining his life and our relationship somehow. I'm not sure how he decided that that's the role my business was having in our lives, but I ended up hiring a fulfillment center, which basically means that they get all of my products and anytime a customer orders, they, so they hold the product and then they pack and ship the product. So I don't even have any product in my house anymore. I am basically just running my business online. Somebody else is doing all of the shipping and packing and storing of my product. So this, I thought, would maybe alleviate some of the tension and issues that he had with my business. Now, mind you, he always claimed to be super supportive um, of my business, but now all of a sudden he just decided it was not for him anymore and it shouldn't be for me anymore either. So I ended up having this fulfillment house for about, I would say, two years um, and I wasn't shipping or packing or storing anything. And But then that still didn't really make him happy. He still had issues with my work. He was upset that I was working from home. And he was like, you know, you can't work from home. We need home to not be a place of work. And you need to go rent an office space. So I ended up renting. I was paying like, I think, $600 a month <laughs> to rent this office space um, where we were living. And it was just so lonely. Like, I remember I was in this room going to work every morning after I dropped off the kids at daycare and preschool. And I would just sit in this room that was so lifeless and I would work and I would be like, I'm not really enjoying this. Like, this isn't why I started this business. I didn't start it to be in a room, like, you know, a 10 by 10 office room by myself and not speak with anybody all day. This is not why I started this business. And I tried to make it work. I tried to decorate my office really nice. I tried to make it like more lively. I tried to go out and do more like in-person meetings and went to like the chamber of commerce meetings and networked with entrepreneurs and meetups. But and those things I enjoyed. But when I was actually working <laughs> In that office, I just felt so lonely and so sad. And I was like, this is not really why I started this business. You know, <laughs> like I started this business so I can spend time with my family and 
be out and meet people and go to trade shows and street fairs and like do all of the things that make me feel like I'm actually interacting with the world rather than just sitting back here in an office with my like with no humans around me um because this was like an office building where you basically just rented a room and there was like no common area there was no um you know no like meeting place for anybody like I literally didn't know who else was in any of the other rooms so it just got really sad and really lonely and this is when he was working um again 60 to 70 hours a week and that was really the only option for office space in the town that we were living in at the time. So I was like, you know, this isn't really working for me. <laughs> um, like I don't have my shirts to ship, so I'm not going to the post office anymore. I'm literally just going in a room, sitting at a desk by myself for the amount of time that my kids were in school. Um, and it just became really depressing and really lonely. And he, then he would say things like, well, you know, you see your, your business is not making you happy. Why are you still doing it? And you should quit your business or, you know, or just close it. Cause it's obviously not working for any of us. And like, I was just thinking, well, it was working great before when I had it set up the way that I wanted it to set up and when you're supporting me and all of a sudden now you don't want me to work from home anymore because it annoys you. I, you know, I need to get an office space. Like it's just not, not working for me. And it was causing so much tension in our marriage um, that I was like, you know, I, I can't have this business anymore. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's upsetting him too much and it's, causing just too much tension that I'm not interested in having. Now, I didn't know at the time, obviously, about narcissistic abuse. I didn't know um, about all of this. Like, I really just thought he was looking out for me and he was looking out for us and he was pointing out what wasn't working so we can change it. And because I was so dedicated to this marriage and this relationship and our family, I was like, whatever it takes, like, I'll make it work. You know, don't worry about it. Like, I will remove this business from our lives if it's making you and us so unhappy and creating so much conflict. So I ended up selling that business. I didn't want to close it down because I knew it had value because it was profitable and it was growing. And, um, I just didn't want to close it down. So I ended up selling it for a substantial amount of money. It was over um, six figures um, and it was the most money that we had ever had at one time in our bank account. And I was like, you know, this is great. Like I built this business and now it I've sold it to someone that I was happy to sell it to. And now I just got to, you know, figure out what to do next. So I took a couple of months off, maybe two months off. And then I got an idea. I was like, well, I can't just not work like my kids. You know, like I love to work. I love to run a business. I love to learn new things and just have a business, right? It is one of my passions, one of the things that I'm interested in. So I decided after I sold that business that I was going to start another business where I had no inventory. But basically what I was doing is I, I was creating online courses and teaching people how to start the kind of business 
online that I had started. So there was no trade shows, there was no inventory, there was no um, street fairs or going to meet with retail stores. There was no going to the post office and shipping things. And I honestly thought that would make him happy. You know, I thought I removed all of the blocks that he complained about <laughs> with my business. And now there should be no more issues, right? Like now everything should be fine and he'll be happy again. And I was just spending so much of my time and my energy trying to remove the tension that he was constantly building because of my business. So I started this new business and I was creating online courses and it actually did really well. Like I created this online course and again, this was now in 2011. Um, I was pregnant now with my third baby. Um, I was maybe like seven months pregnant, six months pregnant when I created the second business. And it was so much easier than the first one because I didn't like, I didn't have to, again, like I said, go to trade shows, do all of these things, spend all this money. Like I could just talk into a microphone, talk to a video and have a course, put it up on a website and get people to buy this course. So my first course, I remember it was um, $97 and I ended up making around like four to $5,000, I think, when I made this course live and I sold it and I started getting people in it. And I was like, you know, I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> like I've, you know, made almost $5,000 um, with this course. Like maybe I can create more courses. Like I was just thinking about ways to grow my business, make more money to support us, even though now we had money from my previous business sale, but I still felt like, you know, I still want to contribute. I still want to, um, to have an income because he wasn't making any money. <laughs> well, except for a hundred dollars a week. So, I started this business and I started learning how to sell online courses and do or run this kind of like coaching business. I was even offering one-on-one -on -one coaching over the phone and it was just a totally bus different business model. And I figured it out. I figured out how to run this business without um, without really knowing anything about online courses. So I designed a new website did all of the things that if any of you have your own online business, you know what it entails. So I learned everything, did everything, and was working at this business, you know, just like a few hours a week, creating videos here and there, creating content online, and learning about SEO and all of that. And I had, so I started this business, I think in April, <laughs> um, and our daughter was born in June, and we also moved in June across the country again. So again, my business was supporting us. He had no business prospects or like no job to where we were moving again. Um, so I continued to keep working and grow our business. And I decided, you know, that I really wanted to grow this business. So I started doing YouTube videos and going on podcasts and having my own podcast and going to conferences and speaking and being a guest teacher in other people's courses and on other people's platforms and writing ebooks. And like I did all the things 
to market my business. And my business really took off. It took off to the point where I was making like multiple six figures within the first two years of this business. And he got, I could tell that there was tension again. Um, He wasn't complaining about the same things that he was complaining about before, but he started to make comments. So there was um, like, (laughs) there was just, I mean, so many things. There was one time where I was on the phone or like on Zoom with um, four other women entrepreneurs and we were doing like a mastermind where we would help each other out, talk about our issues in our business and try to give each other solutions. And it was a thing that I did weekly And I would get off of these calls and he'd be like, oh, those women are so annoying. You're not going to learn anything from them. You're so much better than they are. They're just using you to learn from you. And he was just like, you have to quit this. You know, like this, this mastermind is just taking up your time. So I was like, oh God, okay, here we go (laughs) again with issues. Um, Then there were other times where I would um, be on a podcast interview and he would just be like, ah, oh, that guy, that host, he was so, he was so obnoxious. He was so uneducated. Like he would just put all of these people down and I would just feel like, again, this tension would start to build up again. And he would say things like, you know, you need to move, you need to get out of the house again, because you talking all day on podcasts and interviews and doing videos is just really annoying. And it's, um, it's disruptive to my work, (laughs) uh, which he wasn't working at the time. Um, You know, he's like, you need to move to the basement. So I was like, I don't want to be in the basement. (laughs) Like we had a nice basement, but I'm like, I don't want to work in the basement. Like I want to work up here on our main floor and be with everybody. Like, I don't want to be in a freaking cold basement. And he was like, no, you need to move your office into the basement. So I moved my office into the basement and I was just so unhappy. Like I just, again, once again, felt dead. I felt like I was in that office where I had been before with like no interaction, no people. And after a few months, I was like, I can't work from the basement. Like, this is not, (laughs) this is not where I want to work. And he was like, well, then you need to get an office space. So I was like, okay, fine. You know, that'll get me out. It will make me meet me, meet people and be in an entrepreneurial community. So I got office space, but again, I am not someone who wanted a lifestyle (laughs) where I would go to the office from nine to five, right? Like I wanted a business where I can be mostly work from home and be around my family and see my kids grow up. And again, I'm not judging anybody who has the nine to five lifestyle. Like I am not judging anybody who has that, but it was just not what I wanted is not what I was hoping that my life would look like when I had three young kids. Like I wanted to be home and I wanted to be with them and work around their schedule and around their, you know, their needs and all of that. And he was like, no, you need an office space. So I got another office space. This one was a lot better. It was like a co-working space where you can rent um, like a room or a desk. And I ended up just like renting a desk. So there are people all around me. They had events. It was actually fine, right? Like it was a place where I looked forward to going but I didn't want to be there nine to five. I just wanted to be there a few hours a day, get my work done and then come back home and be with my family. And I remember so many times, like I would, 
um, you know, wake up, go on my walk, have breakfast, shower, get ready. Um, and sometimes like if it was past nine o'clock, he would be like, aren't you leaving already? Like you need to go to work now. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm going when I'm ready. And when I feel like it and when I want to, and I don't need you to dictate my schedule, but he would just make me like feel so bad. And he would make all of these comments that I was lazy and unproductive and that I didn't know how to run a business if I didn't leave and was at my office at nine. And sometimes I wanted to be there at 10. Sometimes I wanted to be there at one. Sometimes I wanted to be there, you know, at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. And I just wanted to decide on my own terms when I wanted to go to this office. But he was just miserable and he would make me miserable if I wasn't there by nine. So I started going, I was like, oh God, this business is causing issues again. Um, let me just, right, like I'll just go there by nine. It's not a big deal. Um, so I would go there by nine and sometimes I would come back at 11. Sometimes I would come back for lunch. Sometimes I would come back at one. And if I didn't stay in my office until five, he would get so upset and he would just be like, um, I remember one time I came home around like 11 because I wasn't feeling well, like I was super dizzy. And this was when I first started to get sick. Um, and I came home at 11 and he was like, why are you home? And I said, well, I'm home because I'm not feeling well. I'm dizzy and I think I just need to rest and not work right now. And he looked at me and he was like, Ugh, I've never met a more like, um, what do you say? I've never met a more on, um, uh, basically like he was accusing me of not having discipline, right? Like not having discipline, not sticking to working hours. And yeah, he basically was like, I just have never met a more undisciplined person. I don't know how you can run your business like this and you need you know, to be more dedicated. And I'm like, what's the problem though? Like my business is making multiple six figures and I don't have to work 40 hours a week. And why can't you just be happy for me that I have figured out how to run a multiple six figure business without freaking working 60 hours a week? Like, isn't that something to be celebrated? Doesn't that mean that I'm not lazy and I'm not, um, you know, unmotivated and like I'm doing all of the things that I need to do to run this business and provide for our family. And again, you have issues with it. You have problems with it. Like I'm doing something that you don't like and I'm doing something wrong. And it's just like, I just always felt like I was doing something wrong. And he, it's interesting because he made me believe that he was really supportive and his support came in the form for this business came in the form of pushing me to do more. It was always like, you're not doing enough. You need to be doing more. So there was one year where I went to like five or six conferences to speak. I was creating like two online courses. I was doing my own podcast once a week. I was doing on other, I was interviewing on other people's podcasts, you know, like once or twice a week, like I had such a busy packed schedule, um, that I totally burnt out. And he just kept telling me, you need, you got to do more. You got to do this. You got, you know, you go to this conference, go to that conference. I'll watch the kids do those videos, do this course. And 
he seemed supportive because he was giving me the time and space to work while he watched the kids. And he was like, yeah, you know, that's fine. You can go to Reno. You can go to Austin. You can go to New York. You can go to California. You can go to San Diego. You can, you know, go to San Francisco. Like he looked supportive and he seemed supportive because he was kind of like telling me to go do all of these things and, and see all of these opportunities through, but that's not what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to have my business work a few hours a week and be home with my family. Like I didn't want to travel every month, maybe like a few times a year. Sure. But I didn't want to be on a plane every month and speak at conferences and do all these things. And it was just like, I got so wrapped up in all of these things. I remember there was one week or actually one month where, and this was the month before my health totally crashed um, the month before I got really sick and I couldn't even work anymore. But I remember for this one month, I had events just back to back. So on top of doing all of these things from my office space, um, you know, like creating online courses, doing podcasts, doing videos, doing all of these things that I was doing. He just wanted me to go out and meet people and be with people. And I just remembered this one month I went to a conference to speak. I came back from the conference. Then I went to a full day retreat about like an hour and a half away. Then the next few days I went back to a mastermind um, at a hotel with these other people. Then a few days later, I went to meet this guy at a radio station because I was doing a radio interview. Then I gave a talk at a local, um, like a local meetup for entrepreneurs. Then I traveled again. It was just like back to back to back events where I would be gone for the day, then I would come home, be home for a few days, then I'd have to leave again. And I just remember telling him like, this is not sustainable for me. This is not, yeah, my business is growing and it's great, but this is not what I want. Like, this is not how I want to set up my business and I'm burning out. I am just not interested. Like I'm so tired and I'm so drained. And this was on top of having three young kids, right? At this point, my kids were maybe like one, three, and five. So I was home, you know, taking care of them when he wasn't. Um, and I was running this business and traveling. And he was just like, no, you gotta, you know, you gotta go to these things and you gotta just be out there and put yourself out there. And now's your opportunity. And he just kept pushing me to do these things that, I no longer was interested in doing and I just felt so tired and so exhausted that one day like I was at one of these events and I totally crashed and I talked about this story in a previous episode um, about when my health issues started but I went to this event I got super dizzy lightheaded like couldn't couldn't function and it turns out looking back I'm pretty sure it was a panic attack but I was doing too much like I was just doing too much and on top of that I was still breastfeeding I was going like on hour-long walks every morning hour-long walks after dinner 
I was, you know, putting kids to bed, waking up with, you know, breastfeeding and doing all of these things and, and then running my business and going to this co-working space. And like, I decided that, or I think he suggested that maybe I bike to my co-working space instead of drive. It was like a 10 minute drive or a half an hour bike ride. So I would bike every day, like after my hour long walk, I would get on my bike, bike for half an hour with my laptop on my back to my co-working space, work, and then come back and then just do all these things in the weekends. Like there was literally no downtime. There was no downtime. We weren't connecting. I wasn't like seeing my kids hardly anymore during the week. Like it just got so out of control that I was like, I do not want this, but I don't like, I don't want to create any more tension with him. And I just kept going and going until that day when I really burned out and I crashed and I literally could not work (laughs) at all. Like I would try to sit up at my desk and I would be so dizzy and I couldn't focus. I couldn't think. My brain wasn't working. I couldn't remember the stuff that I had to do. I was like, how do I get into my website? And how do I post a blog post? And how do I do this? And it's like, I stopped doing all of the podcast interviews. I stopped my own podcast. I stopped doing videos. I stopped traveling. I stopped doing the mastermind. Like I literally stopped everything within a week because I was so burned out and so exhausted and so tired. And I ended up just hiring a friend of mine and I was like, Hey, you know, I can't really run my business anymore. I'm really sick. Can you please do the things that I need to do? I did a bunch of training with her and told her and showed her how to do everything. And she literally ran my business for like four years because I was so sick that I could not do it. Now, it turns out part of the reason why I was sick was due to living in mold. Part of it was due to being with a narcissist. Part of it was due to being burned out and feeling like my body just couldn't do it anymore. But I couldn't stop because if I stopped, he would call me lazy. He would call me unproductive. He would call me... Um, all of these names where I was like, I am not that person. <laughs> like somebody who is the kinds of names you're calling them would not have the successful business. Like this is not, uh, this is not okay, you know. But because I didn't know how to say no to him, um, my body decided to say no for me. So it was during that time where I had my crash, and I remember one day. Um, He was still working just part-time at this point. And I remember one day saying, hey, can you please get a full-time job? Like, I can't work anymore. All of that six-figure income that we had, I is going, you know, it's going down because I'm not really working as much and I'm not out there doing interviews and all of that. Can you please get a job? Like, I'm getting worried. And he was like, no, I will never get a job um, that he says something like, I'm not going to get a job for money. The only jobs I'll do are because my soul really wants to do that. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but he said, no, he didn't want to get a job. And he was like, well, you know, if we're not making money, then we can just sell this house and move to a smaller house. Um, so this is not, he's like, I'm not interested in making more money or getting a job. 
um, that makes more money right now and whatever. I'd rather just not have this nice house and move to something smaller if we can't afford it. And I was just like, okay, once again, I'm not able to count on him. And you guys can go back to the previous episode where I talked about the narcissist and his work um, to kind of hear about the dynamics with his work. But he was basically like, nope, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, and then shortly after that, um, he asked for a divorce. So I was super sick. I could not stand up for more than like 10 minutes at a time. I couldn't even sit up. <laughs> um, or You know, like I couldn't sit or stand for more than 10 minutes at a time. I had to lay down all the time. I had to either like lay on the floor with my feet up on the, like elevate my feet up on the couch. And that was the only way that I didn't feel dizzy or lightheaded, or I had to lay on the couch. And I was laying on this couch, I don't know, 23 hours a day. <laughs> um, I just could not move. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. And this is when he decided to ask for a divorce. I couldn't work. I couldn't take care of my kids. And it was just one of the darkest days of or darkest times of my life because I felt like here I was busting my butt to work and do as much as I could to provide for our family financially because he wasn't. I was still helping him to take care of the kids. It's not like I was an absent parent. He claims now that he was the primary parent and that I was working all the time. And it's like, yeah, I was working all the time because you had issues with me staying at home and working from home. And anyway, um, so yeah, he decided to ask for a divorce. I was so heartbroken. I felt so used. And I think I was in so much shock that I was like, this is not the time when you walk out on your wife. This is the time when you step up and when you support and do as much as you can to be there for your wife and your family. This is not when you're supposed to walk out. But he was like, nope, you're not going to get better with me in the picture. You're just, you know, sitting there all day. You can't do anything. You're no fun. Um, I'm not attracted to you anymore. Blah, blah, blah. I want a divorce because you're not the person that I married and I'm no longer interested in being with you. So I literally felt, this is how I felt, guys. And I don't know if any of you felt this way. And I'm just realizing how like I had zero boundaries. I literally had zero boundaries, especially with him. And I, my main goal in that relationship was to make him happy and to ease the tension and to avoid conflict because it was so unpleasant. <laughs> um, and looking back, I'm like, oh gosh, I would have done so many things differently but that's what I knew how to do then. I was coming from a trauma response. I was people pleasing. Like I literally had no boundaries and I didn't know any better. And I just felt like I had literally busted my butt for years. I think it was like 10 years now. Um, you know, having three kids, being pregnant, running this business, businesses, trying to make him happy at the same time. 
And nothing was ever good enough. Like nothing, no amount of work that I did was enough. If I worked from home, he would tell me that I needed to go to my co-working space. If I was at my co-working space, he would say that I need to be home more. If I was traveling, he would tell me I'm traveling too much. If I wasn't traveling, he would tell me that I need to go travel more. It was just like, there was never enough, like, I could never please him with what I did. If I was not talking to people and working on my own, he would tell me that I need to go connect with people. Then I would connect with people and he'd be like, those people are stupid. They're annoying. You're so much better than them. Stop talking to them. It was just <laughs> like this never ending loop and, and hamster wheel where I was just trying to figure out what can I do to make this man happy so that he's not so angry and so upset with me all of the time. Like literally, <laughs> he was upset with me all of the time. And there were times where I would um, get some sort of like recognition or like I remember one time I ended up doing this interview with a company and they promoted my interview on a billboard in Times Square. And, you know, they had my picture, my company name. And I just remember being like, oh my God, I'm going to be, you know, on a billboard in Times Square. This is crazy. And he would just go like, oh, that's great. Like no excitement. Or there was one time where I had to go away for like five days to do this workshop this live workshop that was being broadcast online in front of like, I don't know, tens of thousands of people. I had to prepare for it for weeks, like to create these six hour long presentations for three days. So 18 hours worth of content and talking, right? Like this is no wonder I burnt out and I crashed because I was just doing so much and he was still calling me lazy and unmotivated and all of these things, which is just mind boggling right now, looking back at it. But I remember I came back um, from this three day workshop, but I was actually there five days and the workshop was being broadcast for free online. So I was like, oh, are you going to watch it? You know, while I'm gone, uh, while I'm doing this workshop. And he was like, maybe I'll see how it goes if I have time. So I was like, okay, <laughs> like if he was doing a workshop, I would literally like watch the whole thing and I would call him, you know, or text him. And I don't know, like I would show a different way of supporting him um, than he did, right? And I came back from this workshop and I was so tired. <laughs> um, like this was one of the times where like I really realized how tired I was, Um but I was so tired coming back from this workshop. I came home and I remembered this so clearly. Um, he was on the couch in our living room folding laundry. The kids were, um, I think, like just watching TV or playing with toys around him um, and didn't come to pick me up from the airport. <laughs> um, you know, I drove myself back or I think I took a bus or something. I, I think I took a bus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, didn't take me to the airport, didn't drive me back from the airport. And I remember walking in with my luggage after like this 16 hours of talking and workshops. And I came home and I was like, hey, you know, I'm home. And he was just on the couch. He was like, hi. And then just kept on folding laundry. Like, no, like nothing had happened, you know, like 
whatever, just it was a regular day. Um, and I was like, did you get a chance to watch any of my workshop that I did? Or did you get a chance to watch any of the live stream? And he was like, oh, not so much because I've been busy with the kids. Um, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's still, it's still running. It's still playing. Like they're rebroadcasting this whole thing. Um, for the next three days, are you going to watch some of it? Oh, I don't know if I have time. And I was like, oh my God, are you <laughs> kidding me? Like if this, and this was just also, I wanted to say that this was a workshop that I got paid $10,000 to go, to go, you know, and teach this thing. So I made $10,000 in three days. And the most he could say was, oh yeah, you know, I, I didn't really have time to watch it because I was busy with the kids. There was no celebration. <laughs> there was no like nothing. It was just, okay. Now to, I guess to juxtapose maybe is the right word how, with how his work would go. Like anytime he would have a show for his, um, you know, for his theater stuff, he would celebrate. <laughs> he would like take everybody out and have a huge party you know, or like go to the bar or whatever after the show, he would invite everybody. He, like he was so into celebrating his events. So it's not like he wasn't interested, right? Because I know there's some people that just don't make a big deal out of things, which is fine. So he was not that person. Like anytime he did some sort of performance, he would like go all out and celebrate and invite everybody and treat himself, you know, to like this and that and whatever. And here I was, just made $10,000 in three days. And all I got was, oh, yeah, didn't really have time to watch it. Um, and that's just one of the many things that he did. And, like, if I would post something on Facebook about, you know, like, a client win or a new law or whatever, like, anytime I would post something on Facebook on my account, he would never like it. He would never engage with it. There were maybe a few times where he would just say congrats. Um, but other than that, it's like he never celebrated anything with me on Facebook or in real life. Or it was just, I don't know. It was just so sad. It, it was, I was really, really sad. And there was another time where I didn't talk about this much, but I ended up starting another business, like a another side business where I was once again selling products. And I remember one time I got a huge order of like 600 items um, from Whole Foods. So this was a big deal where I was like, it's my goal to get these products into Whole Foods. I got a 600 piece order from Whole Foods and I'm like, okay, I need your help to, you know, to like put labels on this and, and pack and ship with me. Um, cause this is so exciting. And he was like, sorry, I can help you. I have to, um, I have to stay sharp. This was, he had no job, right? His only job at this time was to be the stay at home dad. So that is a job, right? And I'm not saying it's not cause that is like a 24 seven thing, but he didn't have a job that he needed to go to. And I'm like, we can sit on the floor with the kids and, just put labels on these damn products. Like, can you help me with that? And he was like, no, I'm sorry. Um, I really need to get back into my work. Um, so I'm going to need to read some plays and stay sharp. This was literally his word. I'm going to need to read some plays and stay sharp. So 
Um, once the kids go to bed, I'm not able to help you put labels because I need to read a play. And I was, that is when I knew I was like, you know, um, this is not like, he is not supportive anymore. And I actually ended up closing that business again. I didn't sell it or anything like that. Um, and it was just, you know, like a small thing that I had for nine months, but, um, it just went to show you how just unsupportive and unresponsive he was. Now, from someone on the outside, it will look like he's super supportive because he's the stay-at-home dad. He takes the kids out to the playground when I need to record videos or podcasts. He watches the kids and is a full-time parent if I need to travel to a conference for three days. So in one way, he was supportive because he gave me all of this space to work. And at the same time, he wasn't supportive because there was literally no, nothing more than just, Hey, congrats. That's awesome. And I remember another time and I'm not throwing out these numbers to like show off or anything like that, but I'm throwing out these numbers because just to illustrate, um, just to illustrate the, um, I don't know, the vibe that was going on at the time. I remember right before I crashed, I created this online course where I, I think it was like my fourth or fifth online course. And I did this huge launch. Like I hired a team to help me with this launch and recorded all of these videos and did this huge launch that made $80,000 in like a week or a week and a half. And all I got from him was, wow, congrats. That's really great. You should be proud of yourself, honey. And I just, like, it's mind boggling. Like, as I am talking about these things, looking back, I'm like, how did I put up with that? Why did I put up with that? And I just didn't have... (laughs) the wisdom and the knowledge and the reflection that I have now. And he would always, the crazy thing is that anytime he would talk about me, he would be like, my my wife is an amazing businesswoman. She has this amazing business. She's so talented. She's so smart. She's so successful. She's so resourceful. Like he would talk about me (laughs) like I was this amazing, successful person, right? And he would be like, I'm so proud of her. And Anytime we would talk with someone else, he would totally put me up on a pedestal. And then we would get home and all I would get was, oh, congrats. That's awesome. That's great. But that's still not good enough. And I think (laughs) I'm just, I don't know. uh, It's mind boggling that I stayed with this man for as long as I did. And I busted my ass (laughs) to try to work so hard and provide for our family. And when I got really sick and I couldn't work anymore for him to call me lazy and unmotivated and undisciplined and all of the things that he called me. And then to tell me, look, (laughs) you're not attractive anymore. You're not the person I married. It's like, no shit. I'm not the person you married. I am a person who is exhausted and overwhelmed and everything I do is for like for you and the kids, you know, and for me too. But I have like one moment of totally crashing. And this is the moment 
when he chose to walk out on me. And I think this, I'm getting emotional just talking about it, but this is knowing what I know about narcissism. This is not a surprise. This is exactly what was supposed to happen because that is what they do. They bring you to a crash. They make you fall and then they leave and they blame it on you as if somehow me crashing was the reason our marriage ended. So I don't know. I don't know what else I should say about this, but I just wanted to talk about, because last week I talked about his career, this week I wanted to talk about my career and how he handled it. And again, he seems super supportive to everybody else. All of my friends are like, you're so lucky. You know, your husband stayed home with the kids so you could build this business and have this awesome career. And yes, he did. He totally did. And at the same time, (laughs) there was all these other things that happened behind the scenes that no one else except for me was aware of or knew about. And yeah, I totally crashed and I'm better now. I'm, I've, you know, it's been six years. (laughs) Um, I'm still running this business. It's still going strong. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm reevaluating a lot of things um, and I've learned a lot since then. So I don't know. That is what I wanted to share with you guys on this episode. I feel like I've rambled a bit and I'm grateful that you listen. I hope it helped some of you with your own career. Maybe you are in a relationship with a narcissist where you feel like everything you do is not good enough. And um, I just wanted to let you know you're doing great. Um, you are good enough. You don't need to work 80 hours a week to please someone else. And if you think something is weird or wrong, or there's red flags, you should definitely listen to those. So that is my episode for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And please take a few moments to subscribe to the podcast so you can hear the next episodes. And make sure to leave a review if you haven't. And if you need to reach out to me or if you want to reach out to me and you want me to communicate back, just make sure to leave a way for me to get back in touch with you. So thank you guys so much for being here for this episode and I will see you next week. Bye.